1: quality sleep is essential for boosting energy recovery and well-being so take your sleep to the next level with sleep number
0: And Welcome to the NXT review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture. Michael Hamflot and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of NXT. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review NXT, but also Raw, SmackDown, AEW, Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course on wrestle culture as i said they're joined by hamlet and sidwick to review the go home episode ahead of nxt takeover in your house this weekend what did you think of it hamlet
1: uh, i thought it was a bit rubbish to be honest um i didn't think it was <laughs> <laughs> i didn't think it was a hugely effective go home show but then that's not really NXT stock in trade anyway The angles just peak when they peak. They're booking booking a television show and takeovers in the pandemic, especially, often seem to appear as a little bit of a not as an inconvenience, that wouldn't be fair, but like the matches are fairly clearly laid out and there's nothing they really do on these last weeks before the pay-per-views to heat them up. Um, I I don't think much hit in this episode. I I was like, lately, there's always been at least one major angle a week that I think has been like genuinely impressive. There's often like now two or three matches that I cannot wait for us to talk about and luxuriate in some of the details of. And I, I didn't get that from any of the matches. And I thought the big ideas for the angles weren't big enough. So I don't know. Like I, a feeling of emptiness sort of defines this one for me.
2: I experienced two legitimate epiphanies watching this show, right? I had a paradigm shift of a moment when i came to the realization that what i like most about nxt is got nothing to do with what you immediately identify with those three letters i love the wacky episodic sports entertainment i used to say all the time it's just a bit of boilerplate generic rubbish in a polished veneer packaged nicely in videos before you get to the blow away matches on takeover like i'm so into the index thing like I just I legitimately, it's the first thing I want to watch. I want to watch the YouTube things and not watch wrestling. My uh, paid for service. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm into. I really like the daftness, the Cameron Grimes, the index stuff I like. It's unfashionable, but NXT is kind of nailing in some respects what I still like, what little I like about um, sports entertainment. So that's good. That's good. I'm into some of the things on NXT, earnestly, that's good. It's a shame, however, that literally, I think Vic Joseph, I can't listen to him.
0: <laughs>
2: I, I'm sorry, like, I don't want to go two-footed on the guy, but he's actively, at this point, possibly more than Mauro. In fact, for me, more than Mauro Ronaldo ruining this show, at least with Mauro. And he was completely self-indulgent by the end but at least he had that voice. At least he had the gravitas of a guy who can call combat sports and his very voice, no matter what words that voice formed, were ridiculous and immersion-breaking and laughable. But he still had the voice that got this over as, uh, it's a bit overwhelming and it's hurting my senses, but, you know, I can believe him. He's got a certain authority because of his background. There's a moment in this show, I can't even remember the match, and it all plays into each other, which is a significant problem where, you know that spot where someone's in the corner, someone's rushing into them with a move and they lift their boot up. It is just a transition from defense to offense. That's all it is. It's not exciting. It's remarkably <laughs> nondescript. It's just a thing to do to transition from one part of the match to the next. And Vicks. Vic Joseph, like, screaming in my ear.
0: Ah, that boot in his
2: face! It's like, shut up! Shut your mouth! Maybe if you do that, like, you heard me, I find it a <laughs> painful thing. If you just went on a boot there, and he has got a boot there, maybe have, like, an incidental conversation or something. A boot in the face! It's like, that's the voice you're meant to reserve for something that's meant to be cool and dramatic and going like, to decide the course of the match. I, it just screams at me all the time. I can't deal with it. So it's a shame it's, that when I realised I've become a certain, I've accepted what this new NXT is, and I've grown to like bits of it, it ruins it. I
1: completely agree with that, you know, because there was one moment on the show where his failure to be able to go up the gears accordingly not just in every match, but across an entire show. It was something like Michael Cole used to be rotten at when he took over from Jim Ross in that 1998-99 period because everything is hot. But Jim Ross suddenly made you realise how he was able to measure his responses to the mid-card stuff versus the headlines and Michael Cole couldn't. Um, were, like, if you watch WrestleMania 15, every single match is the main event as far as Michael Cole's tone and register is concerned. Um, Vic Joseph was guilty of that. Most notably for me in this episode, when he delivered a line that I would say legitimately, uh, I've been waiting my whole life to say this, let's go to Doc Hendricks in the Slam Jam. Like, no, I've been literally waiting my whole life to be able to say a line like that uh, about a modern wrestling show. I think Joseph said that and I didn't believe him because he had been screaming over boots and headlocks and everything else, that by the time he came to say something that you would want to... Be, like, I don't care if it just isn't a wrestling fan out. Like, that doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me that he might not have been watching the new generation as closely as I was. I just want to believe in the moment that he was. And that was a line obviously fed to him to put over the excitement of the nostalgia of In Your House, which they dialed way back on this year. And I think the builder suffered for it. Uh, and he didn't have the energy for it because he'd expended it on... Meaningless stuff in several matches and other segments up to this point. And that was, yeah, I noticed him failing to stick that specific landing and it'll almost definitely be tied in to that. The fact that he's already hit his highest decibel and there's nowhere else for him to go.
0: I've got to say, I quite enjoyed it last night. I completely agree with what you say regarding Vic Joseph, though. I did enjoy last night's NXT, uh, partially because of everything that Sid alluded to there. You've got the bloody... Pre pre show presented by Ever Eyes, <laughs> which I don't know, I don't know where, where they are like, you know, we're one on one side of things with like hit row, and then I see everyone else, like certain people who review NXT going, oh, bloody hell, they come have Ever Eyes. I, I, I genuinely don't know how you're not on board with this sort of thing. Cameron Grimes, I thought, was sensational yet again, and I, do you know what? I, I. I'd quite like the build as well to 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 take over for, for certain matches. The extra match they've added, I know it wasn't the one you wanted, Hamlet, but I think it's going to be a match of the night contender without question. And, yeah, two huge returns... Uh, surprise returns, non-advertised returns on last night's show as well. But we'll get into it and we'll we'll break all this up. Uh, we started with Only Lawton versus Austin Theory. Uh, they led into it by saying, oh, they just they bloody won't stop fighting." So we're just starting the show with them. No idea who I was meant to be supporting in this. Wasn't really given a reason to support either of them. But thought they had a, a, a back and forth encounter, chopped the crap out of each other early on. Uh, in the midst of the match, uh, as Pete Dunn's heading out, uh, Oney Lorcan trips Austin Theory on the apron. There was a mad point where they're on the top rope, or Theory jumps up to the top rope, springboards effectively into a Spanish fly. That was brilliant, in my opinion. Uh, Johnny Gargano came out to even the odds in terms of people standing in people's corners. And then, of course, immediately starts brawling with Pete uh, Dunne, who's he's going to face in that fatal five-way at TakeOver at the weekend. All the officials pour out. Big big brawl uh, that distracts uh, Austin Theory that allows looking to hit him into the t- in the turnbuckle, give him that chicken wing suplex thing, and uh, get the pinfall victory. Sage, what do you make of the opener? The fact that the
2: only vivid memory I have of it is that incredible Spanish fly spot. Like wrestling is so like of a broadly great standard of excitement these days that so much of what happens blurs into the next and very rarely do I see a spot that like just pops my tits off and that spot popped my tits off. I thought it was so well done and um, vision and execution. That's my abiding memory of the match. I think for me, it got a little bit drab, like physical and committed in the work their is off, but like not in a way that was particularly gripping or excitement. Maybe that wasn't necessarily a reflection of the work, but like just the stature of both guys and the dynamic as well, like the two heels, like it it kind of failed before it entered the ring, but they were They grafted. They grafted to sort of transcend that. And I had spot pop my tits off. Um, just about worked for me as a match. It's a storyline advancement heading into the main event segment and a build that just felt a bit tacked on.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> I actually think like Sidhu is going to be a bit kinder than me on this one. Like I, I thought this was quite admirable work that was ultimately undermined by the like lack of. Good story and the characterizations of both men, and NXT's continuing problem with blurring the heel and babyface lines far too much. I know everybody out there was a heel, so that I, I'm not looking for like a single babyface, but that creates a problem, doesn't it? Because you don't really have anybody to root for. Um, we thought maybe only Larkin might work this more as a babyface. I don't really think he did. I don't think either of them did. Nor do I think Johnny Gargano or Pete Dunne tried to in the brawl, if anything, it was probably Gargano that was the one, because he's obviously just such a natural baby face, looked most heroic out of all four of these. Um, And you're obviously not supposed to receive him like that at all. And then he comes out in the main event being the way is Johnny Gargano. So that's, you know, that wasn't the intention. Yeah, like an all right idea, but I don't think they went far enough with the agenting of the match or the run-ins that they were trying to sell for the main event to just establish a dynamic that could really make you care. And, yeah, the, the work... Like all the, like, all the in-ring goes missing when you haven't got any of that, and like, it just did a little bit for me here.
0: Mm. Well, thanks, Tut's. Uh, Next, we got the... <laughs> vine- <laughs> With LA Knight, the reason I say that is that's the huge boy popper that he said in there after coming out of the shower and being given a robe singing the Million Dollar <laughs> I mean, It's it- Cribs, effectively, isn't it? Uh, he's got two women there who are just... Just happy to be there, smiling and laughing. That Everything he says, they're in the hot tub. He's saying, oh, I'm going to ruin Cameron Grimes' life and embarrass him in front of his idol. They laugh and he goes, right, well, that's enough. And then he gets in a sports car and drives off. Wonderful stuff, this. I mean, the Cameron Grimes one was obviously better handflip, but uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed this.
1: Yeah, um, they've they've sort of just about got there, I think, with Elliot Knight and Cameron Grimes. I wasn't, it's a state, like, I'm not watching it, I'm, I'm, it's, it was that, like, Cedric noise to me the other week. I'm, I'm going, huh. Like I'm not, like, sat there pissing myself laughing at anything. I but was I don't hate
0: it. I was at Thanks, Bangstuts, i got to say.
1: Your delivery of it's even better, which is... I don't know, maybe that's an insult. I don't know. Like, it's... <laughs> I just... I, like, all of this was all right. I don't know. I think they've explored this idea about as much as they can. Thought that, I thought that, like, in the ring with a ladder was honestly better than the vignette for me. You
0: know what I think it is? And I've got to give, you've got to sort of give credit to LA Knight for this, is he obviously... Went went so far, but he always knew he's effectively, he's not completely the straight man, but he does have to be more straight-laced for Cameron Grimes to be the, the whole, well, we'll get to more of it when we get to him and that interaction when they pull in, because I thought that was a wonderful uh, dichotomy. Word of the day, uh, toilet paper. Uh, what do you think, Sige?
2: Honestly, man, on the strength of the two vignettes in the segment, I could do without a ladder match. It's so NXT, it's been so
0: long, Sage. We haven't had one for like what two months.
2: It's <laughs> just, it's, I was actively pissed off like at the presentation if it was immaculate, right? So, I'm not into the stipulation. I think it's a desperate reach to do a great match. It's like, well, why you've got something more important than a great match? How many great matches do you see on NXT, quote unquote? I like, just let them have a solid little storytelling comedy match, if anything, given the, the tone of the feud. So, I worry that it's going to go. In a weird ill-fitting direction on the on the show itself. But my god, across these vignettes in that segment, that's my favorite NXT feud of the year. Like <laughs> legitimately, you've got a likable dickhead, and the fact that he's so likable, it makes LA Knight look like a detestable dickhead. Mm. And like a toots is the best heel word of all time. <laughs> in a bitch world, in a bitch world where everyone does. Bitch. I'll kick you nice, bitch. Right. Tuts is the best heel word like ever. It's, it's immaculate. I'd pop my tits off at that. Um it's what a dickhead thing to say. Just reducing like very reductive, awful word that he made funny. Black comedy is good. And yeah, just pop my tits off.
0: Right. It's a match I'm also looking forward to with takeover by some distance at this point. Definitely need to get some what culture merch that just says on the front, in quote, like quoted to you, Michael Sidgwick 2021, in a bitch world on the back, be a toots uh, I, <laughs> I'd wear it, I'd buy it. Um, I I try, always try to alternate who goes first on this, but you'll forgive me, sidge to going straight to Michael Hamplot on this for the return of Doc Hendricks. He was there running down the card for takeover, like it's mid-90s he's doing a slam jam Uh, uh, ridiculous this Hamlet
1: yeah lovely really nice um I found myself siding with Vince McMahon here because in 1995 I'd have cut his hair and shaved his beard as well the scruffy tramp like Michael PS Hayes does not suit the presentation of the new generation and you could see that apparently they tried for years to get Michael Hayes to like turn on the old Doc Hendricks to one night only and he hasn't done it he hasn't done it and they finally got it and this is like the most fitting place for him to do it as well like a very very new generation character for a new generation theme show uh, lovely love that how noisy he does even though I imagine he absolutely detests it uh, so like I felt like I could see that like the stick that he was being poked with go do Doc stuff do Doc stuff and he was like well I'm wearing my own hat I'll your own ugly hat then like so it was it was only like half in from Michael Hayes um, yeah like, this gives me a bit of hope where I haven't had much in the last few weeks that they are not completely out of ideas. Um, a couple of weeks ago, it was just, oh, Todd is going to be there. And then there's not really been much else in the way of acknowledging that this is in your house compared to what there was last year. And they paid off a lot last year. They gave you plenty, real, real, like, like festival of fan service at that show. Uh, this was a teaser that at least they've still got, they've still switched onto to that this year and there'll be more stuff on the night as well.
2: Yeah, for a long while was, stop getting in your house wrong <laughs> yeah. and they got it right with this just i can't really say much about it it was just nice and you know Michael Hayes is dick so if you <laughs> need to like him in the context of the fiction fair play because
0: he's a total knob how are you just to go on a complete tangent how are you two you're obviously both wrestling encyclopedias when you're very much, I, I have them too, you're very much more casual wrestling fans get things wrong. Like, oh, I just loved it when the Rock beat Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 15. And you're like, oh, well, that didn't happen, did it? I what don't I basically
2: don't mind. It's getting bad opinions. Getting bad. <laughs> I'm not a great fast guy. It's a take. It's a take thing. It's, I'm honestly going to put myself forward for the Ombudsman of wrestling and Twitter I feel like the rule it's out of control on that app there needs to be a moderator to see who's not allowed to have opinions and I'll, I'll be your dictator
1: uh, my answer to that question Will Bond, is my outward patience and understanding is masking my inner fury. You know, in Wiley e. Coyote cartoons where he swallows one of those big round bombs and then you just hear the explosion go off in his stomach and he tries to no it. That's me. Everybody, every time, anybody gets a tiny bit of trivia wrong. Like every single time, every time without it, I just say, oh, yeah, it's all right. It's not the deal. It's the biggest, it's the biggest deal there is. But I have to pretend it isn't.
0: I'm like that when people get uh, like an analogy, not analogies, but like cliches wrong. You know, like, oh. We are, we are cooking on all cylinders now. Well, you're not are you <laughs> on gas now. You're firing on all cylinders, prick. I can't, I can't. I <laughs> can't I've, got, I've got a mate
2: who just doesn't get sayings. Like, how hard is that? It's like shut the, sh- the, the shortest of shorthand language to like get a point across. And he just doesn't get sayings. Just doesn't get them. So that's that. Because he said something. I was like, that's the popcorn kettle black. So what does that mean?
0: <laughs> like Ron yeah. Burgundy. he's like well when in rome
2: please I continue i don't know why i was confused
0: <laughs> I was <creamy. laughs> anyway where are we oh yeah Santa speaking, Santa of, Santa.
1: speaking of kettles one of my friends at uni once thought the phrase was a kettle of figs and then well that's a different kettle of figs isn't it what, <laughs> it's, what? but then the thing is you're given kettle of fish and then Again, stubbornly, they won't accept. That well, doesn't make any more sense than cattle or figs. Don't know what the big deal is. You know, when they're trying to like... Say, I don't know. Well, it's fine. Probably just the same. I'll probably say both.
2: But Even if you don't know the specific etymology, <laughs> you know what it means? Just accept it. It's not figs. You've got five <laughs> people in the room. It's fish. My cattle's cream. Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, um, the best one of those recently was... Uh, well, my mum said... That's a bit of a damn squid, isn't it? Not not the phrase. Because <laughs> squid, squid is what you're looking for. But um damn dude, squid. The, the, missus, the missus yesterday said tell you what, I'm smoking like a fish. <laughs> <laughs> right. Come on. Someone
1: in, in my house this day is when, you know, my wife like it was dark or something. She said, I can't see a bat. And that has stuck to this day. <laughs> and, uh, can't see a battle, is it? And I can, neither can I have. He's <laughs> not in Peru. My, my mum once called my brother and sister stupid with an apostrophe S. <laughs> and they've never, <laughs> never been allowed to live that on down.
0: Oh, right. Anyway, Santos Escobar is in the ring. He's got Legada del Fantasma there with him. They recap what happened in the main event of last week with the tag title match. Uh, and he calls out Bronson Reed for getting involved in it. Bronson Reed, uh, interrupts him, comes out and just keeps showing the footage of him sandwiching Escobar uh, into the barricade and basically goes, hmm, I think I made you crap yourself, basically. Uh, Escobar says, all right, get in the ring and do it again. So Bronson Reed goes, OK, goes to get in the ring, gets in, MSK uh, run down to, to even the, the, the numbers. And uh, Escobar challenges Reed and MSK to a trios match. Winner take all. All the titles are on the line: the tag titles and the North American Championship. It's going to go down at Takeover. They agree, and then the little scabs that RMSK go. Can we have that footage of him getting squashed again one more time? I tell you what, what a match to be added to Takeover this Sige.
2: Yeah, I'm way more into the match than the way it was built because it's earned. I'll use that word, one one that word in a while? It's earned. They've sort of converge the two storylines quite well, quite nicely. And, you know, theoretically, there'll be way more drama for literally every single pinfall, given that it's all on the line. Um, I don't want to see another screen in pro wrestling that saved my my life again. After the daily thing on SmackDown, So I get it, they are there. But (laughs) it just just made Bronson Reed look more obnoxious uh, than anything else. But yeah, the matching. Yeah. It's with
1: without belts, it's a TV main event with with them, it's a takeover match, and they've figured that out at least, and I like that. Uh, I know though, like it's all a bit obvious to me, but Like they're gonna the champions aren't gonna lose on Sunday. That's very clear. And if it wasn't already clear, um you've got hit row and del Fantasma having a stare down on the ramp to set up what's probably going to be like Hitro's first like high profile scalp after the fact mm-hmm. so not only are the like Phantasma lads not going to win the belts you kind of see in the next feud set up for them to lose as well which not that that result was in any doubt but you've kind of foreshadowed it there as well because everything be special as well and I know well I know, you know there's, it, there's no heels babyface so I'll just turn to Phantasma babyface or something for the match because they can wrestle or whatever it's just I like it it's it, like I say, it's not really foreshadowing it because the result I don't think is in any doubt. But this was a little bit too on the nose, I thought.
0: Yeah, Hit Row came down and squared up to Lagada's of Fantasma because next up it was Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Killian Dane. Uh, earlier on in the match, of course, Killian Dane is getting the better of uh, Swerve Scott. He's trying to evade him, uh, but Dane is a massive bastard who kicks the crap out of people. So what do they do? Uh, Scott goes to the outside. Top dollar causes a distraction. That allows Scott to take control with a sneak attack. Quite a few times that actually happened. Um, In the end, uh, Scott is uh, fighting back, counters Dane. Flatliner jumping kick, uh, but Dane just powers back into it. Then Ashanti the Adonis tries to interfere. Drake Maverick makes the save and then gets murdered by Top Dollar. Uh, hits him, hits him with a Death Valley Driver on the apron. That distracts Dane and that allows Scott to kick the head off Killian Dane's shoulders. This leaping single leg drop kick right to the face, and he got the three count off the back of that. Right decision, just, you know. Yes, shenanigans. Pamphlet, but yeah, all the all the all the right things here.
1: Yeah, I like this, and I think it's a pretty significant improvement um for Scott having hit roll. It's really tough on NXT to be a like work rate heel because you just stop being the heel. Like this happens all the time. It's it's one of the reasons why Adam Cole will be one of the most popular wrestlers as soon as this fans back. Just one of them, obviously, but like. It happens with, like, so many heels on NXT that if your work is too good to be denied, it's really hard to get booed. Um, Obviously, you can't really judge that at the moment, but you can judge the way the wrestlers are wrestling as to how the reactions might be. And I feel like Swerve, with Hit Roll, and this is a compliment to them, after myself not really buying the act, like, they compliment him. He has suddenly got a great deal more confidence as a working heel. Like, summed up brilliantly by that finish, as you say. Um, I just... I like watching him be a villain now, whereas before when he was a heel, it felt very forced because they'd run out of things to do with him. The heel turn was an acknowledgement that they'd failed with him as a babyface, that he'd lost once too often. Like, Swerve's great. I think we're all fans of him on here. But it just felt like he was completely flailing. And something for me in this match, again, maybe like credit a bit to Dane as a like a bit of an underrated babyface, maybe, um, because this maverick act is like quite earnestly nice. And maybe like Killian Dane's got that in him as well. But I just really, really bought Swerve Scott as a, as a proper heel for one of the first times here. Sure as this was, I, th- I thought this was super effective for him.
2: I liked the work, but there was some goddamn plot holes like excavated on this goddamn show. Swerve's like really unique escapology, love that goddamn word, was like really quite thrilling to watch, really quite sound the approach, given the massive bastard on the other side of the ring, um, really quite thrilling moments in the spaces between moves and how to work a big man. All of that was good. Like, and consistent, listen to the AW review. If you're going to do relentless interference,
0: at least,
2: like you've got, there's more than one person, there's more than top dollar there. Have B-Fab distract the referee, allowing, was this no DQ and I've just missed it? No. Right, okay. I didn't think so. B Fab distracts the referee. No, don't do that. Top dollar. Ah, uh, top dollar is just wrecked, Killian Dane. Like it was just right in front of the ref. Mm. It's like, right, okay, maybe in this universe it doesn't matter that much. But it was very, very blatant. Activity, interference, chicanery, in full view of the ref. And, you know, I've got a lot of leniency towards that, a lot of latitude, but at the same time, look what happened in the finish of um, Kai and Ember Moon. Mm. Just, you know, you're, it's the same show you're writing here and you're getting this stuff wrong. So that was kind of annoying in itself because I've been exhausted by that particular brand of storytelling, but at least do it so that it's not so blatant. Like Excessive and blatant are two different things. Um I've been getting one of one too much and tonight I got the other.
0: Uh, We saw Poppy arriving at the building and then we cut, of course, to Candice LeRae about to get interviewed, annoyed at Poppy, getting all the attention. Uh, And, uh, well, whilst they're trying to talk to... Candace LeRae, her partner, Indy Hartwell, interrupts, uh, despite how angry LeRae is with Poppy. Hartwell is certain she saw what happened last week. She saw the tear roll down Dexter Loomis's face as he listened to 80s power ballads. She's, he's still in love with her, and she runs off to go and find him. More on that in due course. Uh, and then we got the other half of the campaign to be the million-dollar man for Ted DiBiase, this time from... Grimes, he's doing a cannonball into a pool. He's cutting a promo with two legs uh, splayed the side of his head. Uh, he tries to do the million dollar lighting a cigar and smoking it with a with a hundred dollar bill or whatever it was. Chokes on that. I can't really drink the scotch, but he promises, despite what you've seen, to take the million dollar man's legacy to the. Dude, Michael Sidgwick, love this,
2: just tremendous. Like, if they go with him for the million dollar title, and this is the player, it's not just because of our fantasy booking, but I think, like, what a good, slow moving, but powerful vehicle with which to turn him face. Like, he's the whole beat and the punchline. And this is, and these were the better punchlines that we've seen in recent weeks is that he's crap at being rich, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> crap at being rich. And he's about to try and be rich. He's about to become rich. One would hope, um, at takeover, and the idea is going to be that it's not the promotion to tell the story, but still, the idea could be that he's going to just abandon the pretences of being wealthy and rich and realize that's not for me because people like you are dickheads and I'm sick of trying to be one, etc., etc. This is all months down the line. What fabulously funny way of articulating that potential story beat. Like he's of being rich. It's just a naive idiot. I just I was pissing myself at this. Like, this is the earnestly funniest I've seen Cameron Grimes be in ages. Just I love him.
1: I, I thought it was amazing that a wrestling company could acknowledge that these are the habits of arseholes rather than good people. Like yeah. genuine like as Cedric points out, we're gonna go down the line and go and go, I don't wanna be like any of you and that's what makes you a good guy it just feels like wrestling doesn't say that out loud enough so it was quite nice to have like Grind struggling with these things and him very clearly be the one you're supposed to root for in the story that was nice it was funny but like i was just i was a little bit shocked like hang on like triple h wrote this and like does he look in the mirror ever at the life he leads <laughs> or the life he's led forever like uh, i just yeah quite impressive this
0: What was the name of that bloke that we talked about a while back who won the lottery here in England?
1: Oh, (laughs) um, Michael Carroll, as the tabloids called him, the Lotto Lout, because he (laughs) bought quad bikes and scared his (laughs) neighbours. Bought, like, giant chains and stuff. Papers were raging that, like, an angry working-class guy had millions of pounds all of a sudden. (laughs) Oh, dear. Good crack.
3: (laughs) 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 Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast.
0: Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it, between streaming services, fitness delivery services. It is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year, with over $500 million in cancel. Subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Next on NXT, it was, uh, well, it was meant to be Mercedes Martinez in the match. Actually, she did have the match, to be fair. She just got attacked by zia before it. Uh, they brawl. Uh Separated by officials, Xia Li gets thrown over the barricade and Mercedes Martinez goes, oh, what was I here for? Oh, yeah, the match. Gets in. No idea who she's facing. Didn't, didn't get introduced or anything like that. Battered her. Uh, knee strike. Air raid crash. One, two, three. She stares down the lens and she shouts, "Zaya, you mess with the wrong woman. I mean, very basic stuff to lead to the match at TakeOver at the weekend, i You
1: say basic, but I love stuff like this. I don't think NXT does this enough. There is far too much tolerance in WWE and by extension NXT, as we'll get to in the main event of this show, tolerance of matches not meaning anything. And Mercedes Martinez is sure that wasn't the case, despite the fact that she'd just been in a fight. Um, NXT did this less than WWE, but it happens enough. I'm so glad she got in the ring and she beat the jobber in 10 seconds because that's what she should be able to do in spite of what Xia did to her. It wasn't no selling the attack. It was trying to shake it off just enough to batter some loser and then get back to the, the main business at hand, like really economical use of your television time to get the story over. I like this.
2: I didn't like it at all. <laughs> I, I think it was an overcorrection because they've realized, right. Zile is the one who's got the investment loads TV time. She's the one getting the push. Mercedes Martinez has just lost a big title match. How do we heat her up? I, I'm seeing the wires when I'm watching this, mm-hmm. And um, because I'm seeing the wires, um, it puts me off getting invested in the storyline, and it was just an overcorrection on how to make Mercedes Martinez look like a badass to the detriment of Xia Li, with the idea being that, I get the idea, the idea is when she actually beats Martinez at the pape, it'll mean more than it might have on Tuesday, no, sorry, on Monday. And I just I wasn't buying what they were selling, me. not at all.
0: A quick interview backstage with Bree Zango. Fantango just goes, oh, first question, do you like my shirt? And then they talk about uh, Walter Imperium. Why is Walter so angry all the time? He's been German champion, I think they said, for 700 odd days. And they're like, no, UK champion. He's like, you know, what did they say? I think they said he was the European Bruno Sammartino or something like that. They said, regardless, we'll beat we'll be Imperium. We'll get back into the tag title picture. I'm not going to ask you what your, your thoughts on that, or you can touch on it briefly, because I want to get to the cringiest NXT segment I think I've ever seen this. Um, so you've got Triple H and William Regal. They're backstage. They're with Poppy. And they're, they're, they're saying how much... They, they, they're very happy to have her back here in NXT. Great to see her. Great to have her music yet again on, on NXT. And... The new songs and the, the the album, the LP or whatever it is that she's got, and it's just so still. He's like, "So, uh, when's that uh, album, as the young kids say, drop?" And she goes, "Right now." And just presses a button on her cell phone, and uh, he goes, "Oh, it's available to the WWE universe right now on all major platforms. Uh, incredible! Uh, wow, That's re- you can b- download it. Download it now. Do it. Download it now." It's all really awkward. And then who comes to save the day? But of course, Dexter Loomis, he walks in, he's made a picture of her. He shows it her, she sort of goes, oh, this guy's a bloody serial killer. I'll give him a hug. Gives him a hug. Who should run in at that time? Michael Sidgwick. But one, Indy Hartwell. He's embracing another woman. What must she think? She runs off in tears and Triple H says, hmm, that was awkward. You're telling me, Michael Sidgwick. I can't dump on the Triple H thing that much, as much as I'm often so
2: prepared to do so. People seem to like it, like his face. I actually saw his face on my Twitter timeline, so I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, people must have been into this. So, you know, it it was what it was. It's Triple H doing the whole, and it's a cell phone and he doesn't get it, which is funny. So I'll take that from it, that he doesn't know how technology or young people are like the future, the scary future that is doomed and works. It's funny. I like it, Sean. It's a neat enough way to delay wedding it's it's all about the ever so many romantic misunderstandings to delay the wedding Um, does it heal the serial killer Dexter (laughs) Loomis to make him like fanny rat adjacent Um, by having him like make a picture for another girl but maybe just one artist expressing admiration for another artist and it's all platonic can't believe I'm doing headcanon on this the (laughs) lore of (laughs) Indec into the law of index when i'm making my own explanations up for the um the necessary plot developments to deepen people's resolve to see this get uh consummated i guess that's what <laughs> whatever um I'm just, i just i want to see a wedding everyone wants a bloody wedding i'm gonna wear a suit for that episode next day <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know, yeah. I don't know if I was put off by the first bit to not enjoy the second. Um, Triple H got his meme, as Sidgwick says. He got he got it. He almost never gets it. So he got his meme for the week, so he'll be pleased with that. Um, I, so, like, earlier in the show, I'm going to, I'm probably like, this is probably pointless, but I'm going to pick out a few, like, plot holes with the Indy Hartwell Dexter Loomis story. Oh. Like... Indy Hartwell said, uh, well, I saw, you know, it, like she was like brought back in by Dexter Loomis crying when he heard like her headphones blaring out those like 80s songs. Right. So she's seen, having watched the show, she's seen that, oh, actually, um, me and Dexter are back on. So she goes looking for him and it, you know, etc. But then in the very same segment, like as soon as she'd left the room, Candice is like negging the whole relationship again. I, I, I It's not even a thing. Why do people say it's a thing? And I know that's so that later on she could say, listen, Poppy, you home wrecker. Everybody knows indexes a thing. Like we, like Candice LeRae is being a hypocrite here, right? But like Indy Hartwell's just told us that she's watching the show, so like she should see this as well. And like, I don't like. Cedric's berating himself for like doing all the head I'm berating myself for like wanting a bit more tighter writing of this whole thing. Like, I just, like. If is Indy Hartwell watching or not? Because she'd have watched those other weeks where Candice LeRae kept. Pulling down the shutters as Dexter Loomis like sort of hung around outside of the locker room, just trying to speak to her, and Candice was like the barrier between them. left
2: Jericho is it?
1: Not really. And like drawing the picture, like De- Dexter Loomis just draws pictures for everybody, and as Indy will never seen anybody hug before. Like I don't know. Triple H got his name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I. I thought this. I thought this was pretty rubbish. <laughs>
2: Indy's selling of it made it though. Like yeah. she's absolutely yeah, she's really good. Like afraid to like try and capture the like the ugly crying bit. Not saying mm-hmm. she's a oh, Christ's sake. Don't take that out of context. But you know what I mean. Like the whole totally committed. Totally
0: committed. indie Hartwells uh, noises. <laughs> <laughs> it just it was just very difficult. The two worlds of poppy. And I don't know what the combined age of William Regal and Triple H is, but yeah, it just, well, are they, they going to post an Instagram about it or what? I, I have no idea. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on to the priceless announcement by the million dollar man. Um, Ted DBS, he's walking to the ring. He's got this briefcase with him. <laughs> Cameron Grimes and LA Knights show up and they they're, they're Negging each other, they're going back and forth as they pull up in their cars. And uh, one of the security guards or valet or whatever it is of, of Ted DiBiase is saying, Just get to the bloody ring, lads. And uh, Cameron Grimes says, You look like a waiter begging for tips, you're broke. <laughs> <laughs> one of his comebacks, uh, and uh, again, LA Knights trying to fight back, but he's he can't fight this tide. He says, You're the only rich guy who lives under a bridge. And Cameron Grimes says, I'm so rich. I live under two bridges. (laughs) And then the the security valet bloke holds the door open and he goes, hey, thanks for getting the door. Take some money for your family. You ain't got no family. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, they get into the ring. And DiBiase says uh, it's Sunday, it's the ultimate test. They've got to climb the ladder of success. At that point, he laughs and a bloody gold ladder comes down with dollar signs written on it uh he indicates that there is going to be a ladder match and they go back and forth again these two la knights said he's head and shoulders above the rest he should continue this legacy better than this bloody hillbilly grimes is furious with this responds rips off his jacket takes off his watch he says take my money take my fame uh because i'm going to take the million dollar legacy to the moon and uh, then they unveil because uh, he's he's wondering after he climbed the ladder. Actually, now I'm on this ladder. What am I reaching for? And Ted DiBiase reveals, of course, that in the briefcase with these gods, and, uh, opens it up. It's the million dollar championship. Grimes versus La Knight is for that on Sunday, and I can't wait, Hamlet.
1: I, I can. The ladder look good. I like the gold ladder with the dollar signs on it. Um... I I wasn't feeling much of this this week. Sorry. Like, I just... Like, fine. I'm with Sidgwick completely on... Like, I'm I'm absolutely... I was exhausted with a lot of matches last year. Like, I don't need any more, let alone one per takeover. Like, I wasn't doing backflips. And Shawn Michaels slid one in the ring. And there was more logic for that one with two belts with the Cruiserweight titles than there was for this one. You know? Um... Are more concerns that this is going to be an attempt at a good match rather than playing to the actual strengths of the people involved?
2: <laughs> I like the segment, just the, the threat of the ladder match, because what you're going to get is two guys who realistically should be pulling each other's pants down, grabbing the tights, like trying to just be the biggest dickheads possible to each other in the one occasion where an all heel feud actually kind of works in NXT and the ladder is going to instead be this dry, drab thing that Vic Joseph screams over, and I'm thinking, you've just lost the plot. You've you've made the ideal beats of this feud, and then you've kind of half undermined them on one night. But the, the, I was just pissing myself too much to care about what happens on Sunday. I'll complain on Sunday I was not complaining tonight.
0: I think I've got yeah, you last night,
2: this morning, when I watched the show.
0: I think I've got you finished for this match, by the way. They're both climbing the ladder. Both going to be side. LA Knight realises, oh my God, Cameron Grimes is going to get there. I'm going to have to take a shortcut. Goes for the low blow. Cameron Grimes looks down, smiles at him and pulls out massive water bills. That's his cock block. And then caving off the ladder to LA Knight, giving the million dollar championship and send me home happy. Chapter uh,
2: 812 of Adam Wilborn's incredibly not viable fantasy booking <laughs> ideas. Usually he tries to just make the wrestlers defy the laws of physics. This time, i meant to like, he's meant to control like loads of paper you know, like under his balls and like not have them come out of his pants. Jesus, Wilbur, like great ideas. you like Vince Rousseau, I think.
0: Oh, the bro- don't man. give me that.
1: When people talk about shoving socks down, the tights you didn't mean it was like full of quarters. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, but as I alluded to earlier, we got the Everrise announcement here. They are, <laughs> they are hosting the pre-pre show. They also on camera do the, the following advertisement is paid for. By Ever-Rise. <laughs> Literally, see one of them doing that, and uh, uh, he goes, "It's the it's the show before the pre-show. That's what they're going to be hosting." And if you don't, if you didn't know, now you know. And the other one goes, "That's not our catchphrase." He goes, "It's a great catchphrase. I like it. Everrise rules." More of this, more of them on every bloody show. They should be on the pre-show, let alone the bloody pre-pre-show, Sige.
2: Yes, absolutely. I continue to be amused without further comment by ever eyes.
1: They get them. Like whoever's, whoever's working with them on this, they all get it. They all know exactly what this act is. And that's a nice feeling when you're watching that happening in wrestling.
0: Uh, we got the grizzled young veterans in action next, uh, against August Gray and I, I'm gonna butcher this name. Hero, hero wrestled in a sports coat, which is unique. I'll say that. Um, at one point, Zach Gibson tries to rip off the jacket, and that just makes him fire up even more. Um, they target his leg though. Um, uh, midway through the match, you've got Champa and Thatcher. They come down with folding chairs, they sit and they, they're just there to enjoy the match. They're not there to interview, they're just enjoying it. Um, that distracts the vets. That allows uh, August Gray to get, get back in control. He soon gets cut off, though. Ticket to mayhem. One, two, three. Grizzle Young Veterans post match shout at them and say, Look, we've done with you. We've set our sights on the tag titles. And Champa says, No, you've got to go through us first. And they hoist their chairs uh, at the Grizzle Young Veterans who respond by saying, All right, next week, how about we have a match? But it's not a tag match, it is a tornado tag match chamber and Thatcher accept. Uh, Thatcher says he can't wait to break their bones, basically, because the young veterans dodge out of the ring when they come in. And that's going to be a sensational match, uh, I feel like, next week. And again, between between these four gentlemen, Sige. Uh, yeah, don't have any thoughts on the match.
2: Um, other than Iru will get a big reaction from fans. It's kind of just been doing nothing to zero fanfare on five Live. Um, I suspect that will change and he will become a sentimental favourite big time when fans return into the Tornado match. um, To a degree, I think these guys are probably better in the traditional. They're not the teams I would personally use this step for. Uh, MSK certainly would be uh, my first choice if they were going to do this particular match, but maybe they've got an idea for it. I can't tell if this is deliberate given the kind of person he is. Or it's just a byproduct of the kind of person he is. But Timothy Thatcher's inability to like sell the fact that he has a catchphrase because that's something like a sports entertainer would do just popped me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've said it before and I'll, I'm saying it again now. I can't wait to break your limbs. Like, is that on purpose? Him just not having <laughs> a catchphrase and is in wrestling? Is it just him? I'd like to think it's just him.
1: I thought all of this was terrific. Um... I'm reliably informed um, from a tiny bit of research on Twitter about ten minutes before this podcast that Gray and Hero are very well regarded on to a live life as much as that sounds like a contradiction in terms. Hmm. Um, and I could sort of see why. Regard well, yeah, well, like it. I could sort of see why from the short burst I got here. And I really love the um, Grizz Young Vets Thatcher Championship. Love it. Um, it's been relatively simple. They've spotted the obvious story that you can tell between two teams, just like this, Uh, and they've given me, they've given me a match I wanna watch, and then they've actually booked it for television for next week, something to look forward to. They've done, NXT's done a lot more of this lately, and like, it is genuinely to the credit, they're getting lots of characters over, almost none of them have got nothing to do, and by and large, like, they have a good understanding of what warrants television and what warrants takeover, and this is honestly something that I can sit for a week and like, relish the prospect of next Tuesday.
0: Little vignette with Bobby Fish training, saying he's not forgotten. He's still got his sights set on on Oni Lorcan. And then Candice LeRae storms down to the ring. She's still pissed off by Poppy. She cuts a promo on her. Uh, She calls them, uh, as you alluded to earlier, Sige, Index, Hartwell and Loomis. Um, But she blamed Poppy for Hartwell leaving the building tonight. Poppy gets full entrance. Of course she does. She comes out. uh, She says, I don't wrestle, but I know someone who does and it is the return of Io Shirai. My God, have I missed her and that theme as well. She runs down to the ring. She attacks Candice LeRae. Tiger faint kick, missile drop kick. That sends LeRae out of the ring. And Shirai stands tall alongside Poppy as LeRae bails. Oh, great to have her back, pamphlet
1: Yeah. Um, far better, obviously, use of Poppy here. There's it's like, I know it, like it'll sound like I'm just being a big head because I wanted this actual match, but like Poppy and Io I really do have great chemistry. So it is a shame in the way that perhaps she's got no interest in wrestling because you think Io's going to get a partner and go for the tag belts. And it's almost a shame that somebody is going to maybe feel secondary compared to Poppy as a good first choice. Love the booking though, love it. Um, I wouldn't say it's quite as seamless as John Moxley moving from fighting for the world title to fighting for the tag titles, but I'm getting a similar vibe like off it. And Shirai having like earned beef with LaRay because of this poppy stuff is gonna feed nicely into her finding a partner for what should be like a quality tag feed. Like I, I like all around greatness.
2: Yes, I'm not a big I'm not as poppy daft as Michael Hanford, Um but anything vaguely connected to Shirai versus LaRay, absolutely bring it on. Um it's gonna be tired watching this. It's good. It was good, but it's. We've talked at length. At this, there are certain things that just don't have the same weight in pandemic era wrestling, and the, the return is one of them. Unfortunately, mm. I think
1: what yeah, what you've potentially built in the background is so like obviously that the heels are probably gonna have this two and one advantage for a little while, and it provides this perfect opportunity for maybe like a, a Zoe Stark. Yeah. You know, this like, mutual respect that's built up between the two. I get the, the genuinely like put loads into this, thought through what's going to happen when Ayo isn't the champion. And that gets you to this point. And it's just nice to see that happening again in the next
2: two. It would be a very WWE thing to put them, um, Saray and Shirai, together. Hmm. One of those things where it's like, uh, I know why you're doing it. And it's not good that you're
0: doing it. But it's also, um, I would love to see them team together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they'll, they'll get away with it. Uh, From the second biggest return of the night to the biggest, uh, we saw Doc Hendricks again, uh, another slam jam update on TakeOver. Uh, That just reminded me to Google that picture of him, at Ric Flair's wedding (laughs) Wedding. with his pink suit and his bum bag. I didn't even realise, you know, there's that famous photo of like Flair and and, and Taker and, and Michael Hayes. There's also another one where he's dancing with the bride and it's like, do you want to take the bum bag off for Dancing with the Bride, Mike? Nah, leave it on. Might, might need something in the midst of dancing. With Rick new wife. If you haven't seen it before, go and look for it because it's it's spectacular. Uh, but let's move on next to Ember Moon versus Dakota Kai, of course, ahead of Ember Moon facing Racco Gonzalez for the NXT Women's Championship at TakeOver at the weekend. Um. Didn't get a satisfactory finish to this, a uh, clean finish, but I felt like as much as we said that we didn't want this to happen, it still kind of achieved its goal. Um, I'll talk through what happened and then I'll get your thoughts, Sid. Um, Moon, you know, in control for large parts, but Kai is underhanded tactics, you know, trying to take control here. Poster before a commercial break. Um Moon fought back at one point and hit a, well, like a code breaker. Uh, Kai gets Moon in the corner and hits her with a series of kicks, running boot as well. She puts Moon up on her shoulders, but Moon counters that and hits a power bomb. Then, uh, as Moon is sent outside, Gonzalez tries to attack her. She dodges that. She punches Raquel Gonzalez. And then she comes back with a tope suicida on both Gonzalez and Kai, who are out there, and uh, goes to to finish Dakota Kai. She's got the match won, by the looks of things. Uh, She's going for the eclipse on Dakota Kai when in comes Gonzalez and kicks her off the top rope. Uh, Referee calls for a DQ. Post-match, Moon brawls with with Gonzalez and with Kai. Uh, Gonzalez picks her up. Looks like she's going to hit her with that one-arm powerbomb chokeslam thing, but Moon counters it, hits a jawbreaker, hits a huge eclipse on Gonzalez, knocks her out cold and stands tall. Like I said, Sige, not the clean win that we were hoping for, but I thought it still uh, got to where it needed to in terms of getting as excited ahead of takeover and at least giving us that 1%. We all believe Raquel Gonzalez is retaining against Moon, but yeah, this was a nice way to suggest, you know, she's got a job on her hands on Sunday.
2: I'll give them one bit of credit for thought in an otherwise thoughtless, functional to a goddamn false match come angle. Um, they've built an near fall quite well, twice, I think, with this um, choke bomb stunner reversal. The extent to which it was sold was deliberate, I think, with the idea being that they are going to get an near fall out of that on, uh, at, in your house, and it'll be great. It will be great. I continue to just really enjoy watching Ember Moon's low pay. It's great. It's great. There are too many bad suicide dives, top pays, low pays in pro wrestling, and Ember Moon has. I wouldn't say one of the very best because Alan and Phoenix just have the best ones. But like a damn good upper echelon one. Otherwise, what a boring development. That's me. Can't (laughs)
1: look. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um I think something with Ember Moon, she's, like, I'm willing to say now that, like, those first few matches back, she's managed to shake off that rust. Mm. Like, I'm willing to call it ring rust because I've enjoyed her work a lot more lately. Those tag matches with Shotty got better, so you were allowed to, like, make a bit of time for them, developing a bit of chemistry together, which they appear to do. Thought she was good here. Will absolutely buy her. Um, look, like, eh? AEW have raised standards, and it is for the better... You can feel it in the way that people criticise WWE television main roster, and you can feel it just the same when you get a finish like this. Um, there was there were similar criticisms of the finish to the opener last week. You build with an angle, and there's sometimes where you you've been like so I'm beaten into submission of accepting this as an as a finish when you're dealing with another angle, but you can have both. You really can. Um, Ember Moon should have beaten Dakota Kai here. Like, they should have done the exact same post-match after Ember Moon defeated Dakota Kai. Mm. And, like, having versions of that on... Like, we've been really critical of Dynamite lately for the amount of run-ins. So this is not some sort of, like, daft bias thing. This is... Because then they're not getting, like, that element of it, bang right or anything. But somebody's getting pinned. Somebody's... Like, somebody's tapping out or somebody's submitting. Like... Like, really, really frustrating, overwhelmingly so, to the point that, like, it ruins the impact of the match and otherwise pretty decent, like, like post-match as well. Like, the Eclipse is awesome, so beat somebody with it. And then tease that you're going to beat somebody else with it on a Sunday. Don't be so half in, half out all the time. Um, I like that standards are higher enough that we can,
0: like, start remembering to be more critical of this sort of stuff. Right, let's get to this fatal five-way face-off fracas that was the main event <laughs> Carrying uh, Cross before this, or so backstage, saying you don't have to wait till Sunday to get flatlined. Come on, don't make me in the ring, uh, and then go to a break, come back, and William Regal's bollocking Carrying Cross. It's a good job he ignored him; otherwise, this show would have ended on nothing. Presumably, um, <laughs> he Regal said, "I'm not allowing this to go on tonight." And uh, Cross said, "Yes, you are. You, you're powerless. You don't run anything. This show's out of control and has been for a long time. Uh, he's not leaving until he fights." Everyone, until he kicks everyone's ass tonight. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly comes out cool, Kyle O'Reilly. Um, he says that uh, Cross is insecure, he's going to take his title. All he could do is go gruff like that. And he says it's a matter of time before a, a guy like you, uh, a guy like me, sorry, walks down here and takes that title from you. Johnny Gargano, perfect from him in terms of him coming out going, Oh, sick burns. And does he get in the ring? Does he bollocks? He jumps on the announce table. Uh, he says, Cross, you're gonna. Let him talk to you like that when he's wearing a jean jacket. I'll tell you what you should do, Karen. You should go and choke him out. And Cross says, you're a mark. Get in the ring. Out comes Pete Dunn. He says, I'm sick of all the talking. I'm tired of waiting around. No fighting. I want some fighting. Uh, it's time for me to become champion. Uh, and then Adam Cole appears on the video screen, calls them all chumps. Just brilliant. Uh, he says, I'm not going to show up because you're not bloody worth it. I've beaten all of you, basically. Carrying uh, Cross, you're an idiot. Uh, you're too scared to face me alone. It's a good job you've booked this match because I'd have just battered you if it had been one on one. I could beat any of them to become champion. I don't even have to pin Carrying Cross. Uh, O'Reilly, Michael Sidgwick, I'm alluding to what you made earlier, not saying this. O'Reilly called Collar a bitch uh, for not being there in person. <laughs> Thanks touch. He says, that's not me. Uh, he walked over. Cross is like, who are you then? And he slapped the taste out of Cross's mouth. Big brawl. All the security get involved. Blah, blah, blah. Everyone eats a Saito suplex, whether they are involved in the Fatal 5 way or they are just security. Uh, eventually security get hold of carrying Cross, though. That allows Gargano uh, and Dunn to attack him, super kick him. O'Reilly gets involved, knocks everyone down. He stands tall. Psych! He gets that hidden blade forearm from from carrying cross to knock him out. It looks like carrying cross is going to stand tall ahead of takeover. When all of a sudden he is jumped by one Adam Cole, who was there. The video was just a little trickster move. He uh, super kicks cross. He hits him with the last shot. He picks up the NXT tile. He is the one who stands towards the show goes off the air and he yells, "Adam Cole, baby!" What do you think? Is this as a go home angle hamlet?
1: Mostly rubbish, but put the belt on Adam Cole on Sunday because he's such a bigger star than the rest of them and crowds are coming back. And if you can't have him as a baby face, at least have him as your headliner that the fans can like be so excited to have that back. The, the takeover that presumably is going to come the night before SummerSlam, um, give them that. Give them Adam Cole defending the title in the main event because it's going to be the closest thing to what those paying like ponters want. Um, everyone, like other than Gargano, who shows arse and is a dweeb on purpose like and his line was great about the jean jacket stuff and about avoiding the fight um everybody else I thought came across like a total loser here apart from Cole and it worried me slightly that he got to win the segment because typical rule is that he's not going to win the match but he won the segment so like so profoundly like he put himself so profoundly above everybody else that I couldn't really buy anybody else winning on Sunday Gargano's Lines were the only other things I liked about this, and this kind of like I didn't want to like just spoil all this talking about it at the start, but this I found like the inconsistencies really annoying because he wasn't that in the opening segment. He was all fists and fire with Pete Dunn, and I, I thought they betrayed that a little bit because they just forget what they're doing sometimes. These characters, like because this because the lines are so blurred between heels and faces, you basically got to change tact based on what segment you're in. Gargano could be this in this one. But he had to be willing to have a street fight with Pete Dunne in the opener, and I like all his inconsistencies happen like quite a lot. Um, O'Reilly's like cool, Kyle when he wants to be, but then he's also having it. He had a standoff with Cross earlier in this episode, didn't he? Nothing yeah, happened, and- but he kind of like there was a pull apart sort of thing that we were led to believe stuff had gone on. I just like I don't buy any of. That. I buy Gargano because he plays it with conviction. I buy Adam Cole because I believe him. I don't buy any of this otherwise.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think the only excuse you can make, and again, it's it's once. As we've said a few times here, it's us making the excuses for them of well, maybe Gargano fought done to fire him up so he would kick start a brawl later and Gargano could just stand on the outside and not get involved with it. But that's the stretch, isn't it, Sige? Yeah.
2: Um <laughs> it's all a bit of you suck, I'm tough. You know, you suck, I'm tough. You suck, I'm tough. I'm like, just build goddamn babyface versus heel conflict once. One on one babyface versus heel conflict on this main event men's scene once because it's just tough dudes. Look at this. Tough guys being tough dudes. Look at us. Um, I hate. I just really hate the way they tell stories in this men's heavyweight division. I think it is rotten. I think it's characterless. And um Pete Dunne, like yeah. Don't care. I'm sick of the talking. Well, Why did he decide to become... Why did he sign with WWE? Why <laughs> did he decide to become an episode of TV wrestler? If every single week your contribution is don't care, I just want to fight. Go to the um, social club. Become a... Uh, I don't know. Like, I was going to say become a amateur wrestler. I don't think I've ever seen an amateur wrestler promo. Just do that. Like, if you're not willing to... If your character just simply doesn't care about anything except for you, then... Like you're in the wrong company, pal, and you're not entertaining me at all.
0: Um, wretched, wretched NXT, uh, Irish Pete, Pete Dunn there. Uh- <laughs> sure, man. <laughs> but I am looking forward to take over this weekend. <laughs> I think, I think, this- West Bromwich <laughs> 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 cool <laughs> <laughs> uh we will of course be doing a preview ahead of takeover myself and hanfler uh, which will be out on saturday so make sure you listen to that ahead of takeover and then me and Stitch will be reviewing in your house uh, at some point on monday it's, it's a very busy day for us what we're having to review dynamite because the bloody schedule changes and of course look ahead to Monday Night Raw unless Sidgwick finds something and he's a bit too busy for that one. Uh, right, this has been the NXT <laughs> review. Uh, let us know your thoughts ahead of, uh, <laughs> off the back of the show and ahead of TakeOver on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, there you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Um, Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. Uh, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, of course, for daily wrestling podcasts. But for now, it's been the NXT Review. My right, thanks to the Daily Boys. Thank you for joining
3: us, and we will see you soon. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe.